when crypto moves, it moves, right? The, the thing that crypto does best, better than anything else, the reason we're all here is that it goes up a lot and it goes up really fast. And the good thing about it is if you're in, you make crazy money really fast, better than any market you're ever gonna get. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Daily Bread Podcast. We're so back. It feels good. Doesn't it feel good, folks? We are so back. I am recording this on Tuesday, January 24th. I'm going to try to have this up uh, hopefully Wednesday, maybe Thursday. I might have to take a little bit of time to edit this, but I want to make it timely because obviously I'm going to talk about coins and stuff today. So I want to I want to get you in these coins fast. Okay, uh, real quick, I will say I've been on a little bit of a hiatus just because, uh, frankly, I've been way too busy trading. I have not had the time to make videos like I normally do. It's funny, I was traveling, as you guys know, if you listen to the last episode, and, uh, you know, I had a bunch of videos planned and stuff. And then when I came back, I was like, one of the things I was like, okay, I can't wait to get back and like start really grinding out content. But then basically right at the new year, the market really picked up and it became clear to me within the first like week of the year that I was like, oh, okay, I don't think this is just like a little, a little bump. I think this is going to be a new rally. And so just been all in trading the last couple of weeks. So I haven't had a chance to uh, really sit down and make videos, but I'm going to try to still crank out some podcasts for you. I will say, uh, follow me on Twitter. I'll put the link in description because I post trades there like live. Obviously videos are cool to talk more in depth about ideas and topics and tokens and all that stuff. But you know, it takes more time to make these videos. Whereas, you know, I can just send out a tweet and be like, yo, I'm buying this. Very simple, right? So follow me on Twitter if you don't already uh, for more live updates. I was actually thinking, too, we'll get into the show in a minute. We're going to talk coins. We're going to talk gems that I'm looking at. We're going to talk thinking about the market rationally because, again, this is like the real pivot I've made in my trading in the last six months that's really helped me is just cutting out a lot of the noise and just trying to sit down and think things through very simply from first principles, whatever you want to call it, and just very, very straightforward thinking about the market and not so much getting into like, oh, this data point said this and the macro said that and oh, you know, DCG is going bankrupt and all this bullshit, right? All this stuff that just doesn't really matter. Uh, so anyways, we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, I wanted to say I had an idea for maybe something that could be interesting. Let me know if you guys would want this. Um, but it's hard to like, I used to write a newsletter where it was like long and had a bunch of stuff in it. But I'll be honest, that takes a lot of time. And a lot of it is kind of like information you probably can get elsewhere. I think the real value is just like, basically, these are the things I'm looking at right now. And I'm not gonna like give you a full essay on each one, just kind of trust me or don't or do your own research and give you ideas for trades too. then you can research those tokens further. I was thinking of maybe doing like a little email newsletter or something that's just like tickers only like literally calling it like tickers only. And it's just like, here's the ticker of the coin I'm looking at. And here's like one or two sentences on it. And that's it. And you can go do your own research on it more. But like, this is the basic thought behind it. And that I can just crank out and get to people 
uh, much more quickly than like writing out, you know, an essay on some token, right? So anyways, if you'd like that, let me know. I, I could I could make that. That was something I thought of just like before the show. So anyways, let's get into the show today. Um, we got lots of coins to talk about. I'll put timestamps, but I, I think first, before we talk about different coins, I wanted to talk about how to think about markets. Because the thing that's really, if you've been watching the show, you know that post FTX crash and like in December, I was saying, I think this might be the bottom. You know, obviously you can never speak with 100% conviction, but I mean, I did do a podcast where literally like the thumbnail said buy now. And it was the rationale of like, and I'll, I'll get into it, but like, I'll get into my rationale. But but my 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 main idea here is like, thinking bigger picture about markets overall and especially within crypto i think this is very important because it's so easy to get lost in the noise of the day-to-day of people saying bull trap bear trap this is a fake rally blah 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 oh like how do you know when something's a fake rally versus a real rally how do you know in december that hey it's probably time to start buying because it's really quiet right now there's low volume the market's kind of dead but we're holding certain levels that if the market was really weak we should have lost them by now but we haven't lost them right and so thinking things more clearly because if you just listened to the macro analysts and the quants and and look at the data and look at all these scary looking charts and we're going to enter the worst recession uh since the great depression and this is going to make the 2008 recession look like nothing all that you were scared shitless to buy anything and you would think why would i buy crypto here when it's probably just going to go down another 80 percent why buy ethereum at 1100 when it's probably going to go down to 400 based on what everyone's telling me and you know it's easy to fall for that stuff but when you think rationally about it you kind of start making your own conclusions. You know, one of the things that I talked about in December, and I'll reiterate again, is that I was looking at the chart and I was like, I actually tweeted this. Maybe I'll put the tweet up on screen. I was like, okay, so we had the Luna crash, which was like the huge liquidity wipeout, giant liquidation across the board on all coins that pretty much marked the bottom um, on, on on ETH. It, it marked a temporary bottom on Bitcoin. Bitcoin did make a new low, but ETH didn't, right? And I was really looking at ETH and I was like, so ETH went to like 880 bucks on that day. And it went below a thousand for like, I think a day or two, but that was it. And then it went back up above a thousand. So we only got, you know, triple digit ETH that people talk about for, for basically a day. And then you know, we ranged and we had a little August rally and then we came back down and obviously you had the second horrible event, which was the FTX collapse. And the FTX collapse in terms of reputation was probably the biggest crisis, whatever you want to call it, in the history of crypto, uh, both in the size of the exchange in that FTX was like, you know, one of the biggest exchanges and that obviously they were a huge name doing all this advertising and all this stuff. And, you know, Sam Bankman Freed became a household name overnight because of this, right? The next Bernie Madoff. And so reputationally, crypto was just at an all time low and the market uh, sentiment was really at the lowest I've seen in a long time really probably since maybe 2018. It's hard to remember exactly because it was so much smaller back then, but it was pretty bad in 2018, but it was really bad in like November. You know, a lot of people were saying 
just forget about crypto for a year after the FTX thing happened. Just come back in a year. Um, but I didn't. And the reason was I was just looking at the charts and I said, well, let's forget all this noise. Let's look at the chart. And the chart is telling me that we haven't made new lows. We didn't even make new lows on the FTX collapse, right? We didn't lose $1,000 on Ethereum with the FTX collapse, which is pretty insane because if anything was going to send ETH into triple digits, it was going to be that. And we didn't. And we held. And we held above 1100 And at that point, I was like, listen, I think if you're not buying here, I don't really know what you're waiting for. You know, I said, maybe Q1, we could see the new lows, depending on how the year starts. But I was like, if you're not buying here, you're not buying Q1 of this year, I don't know when you're going to start buying. And, you know, obviously now in hindsight, it turned out to be right. And my only regret is uh, didn't buy more, didn't go heavier. And I didn't expect a, a hard rally like this. I did expect because obviously at the end of the year, as I'm sure many of you have read, you know, lots of funds close their books, they make sell offs, all that type of stuff. So the, the, the year end looked pretty bad. Plus, you know, I think a lot of people were on vacation, like I didn't trade at all for a few weeks. And I think a lot of people were just kind of out for like Christmas time and all that. So volume was completely dead. But then when I came back, I thought, okay, let's see what happens here first week of January. Let's see if we get a little a little move. I didn't expect, obviously, a huge rally up front. But then once we started picking up momentum, it's like it was clear to me that, okay, it's time to get very engaged. You know, it's time to get pay a lot of attention here. Um, and that's, that's kind of one of the key lessons, uh, I would say, of this week or of this last few weeks that if you don't pick up on that is that when crypto moves – it moves, right? The, the thing that crypto does best, better than anything else, the reason we're all here is that it goes up a lot and it goes up really fast. And the good thing about it is if you're in, you make crazy money really fast, better than any market you're ever going to get. The hard part is if you're not in and you're on the sidelines, like a lot of people were caught and maybe even you if you're listening... And that isn't a bash. This was a tough, I know a lot of smart, tra trust me, I know a lot of smart traders are on the sidelines for this, okay? So don't feel bad if it was you. But you do have to think about what did I get wrong? What lesson should I take from this? And the lesson is that when you start seeing momentum, don't fight the momentum. Don't fight the tide, right? If the tide is going with crypto and it's pushing things up, don't fight it right? Be vigilant, be attentive, be ready to hop out if things turn around, of course, because things can turn around fast, just as fast as they started, as we know. But don't fight it. And especially when you see momentum like this, after a long period of basically dead time, right? After a long period of like no momentum, no volatility, no volume, no nothing, you see things starting, starting to pick up. Don't fade it right? Don't fade it. That, that's like the, the biggest thing is that people love being bears because it kind of feels good to be a bear. Sometimes you sound smart, all of that. But you know, bulls are the ones who get rich in the end. And especially when you're already down 80%, basically on all these coins or more depending on the alts. Does it really pay to be super bearish when when Bitcoin and ETH are down 80%, 85%? No, not not really. It pays more to be like, okay, I'm going to just start buying because when we go back up, I don't want to miss out. And so that that was like my rationale last month when I said, listen, I don't know what the bottom of ETH is going to be, but every time it goes below 1200, I'm buying. 
because it's clear to me that the market is not really going to let this thing go below a thousand unless some really crazy shit happens. And we already had two crazy events. We had 3AC go under, we had Luna crash collapse, and we had FTX. I was like, if that didn't fucking send ETH under a uh, under a thousand bucks, I don't know what will, frankly. But that's the hard thing about trading, man. Um, you know, I was I was thinking about this, like I was trying to think of a good analogy to give, and analogy I was thinking of was um, because because trading is all about gut. It's all about putting your chips on the table when it really matters. And that's the hardest thing to do. You know, I, I think a lot of traders like poker and a lot of poker players become traders because they're very similar, right? And I'm not some good poker player. I'm pretty terrible. But it's it's kind of the general idea. There's there's like you have all the math in poker and, and, and all the hands and the probabilities of if you have this hand and you see this, right? You can do all the math all you want all day long. But there's always a moment in any poker game or multiple moments when you have to fucking make the bet right there is no certainty it's all probabilities and there are times when you need to call someone's bluff there are times when you need to just make the bet even if the odds aren't super in your favor or even when they are in your favor having the guts to bet with size at the appropriate time right that's the whole game and that's why it's not just a bunch of math whizzes that win poker tournaments. It's the fucking old school guy winning it too. The guy who's like, I don't give a damn. I'm going to bluff you to death, you know? I'm joking. But you, you get my point. And, you know, I was thinking actually as a perfect metaphor. I don't know if many of you watch basketball or not. And if you're not a basketball fan, just bear with me. This is a, a good analogy. You'll get the point here. Um... In 20, I think it was, was it 2017, uh, the Golden State Warriors were the best team in the league, okay? They had Kevin Durant, they had Steph Curry, right? They had the, uh, this whole stacked team. And they were unbeatable, right? No one could beat them. They were the huge favorites to win the championship. But there was one other team that had a chance, and that was the Houston Rockets. And the Houston Rockets were run by Daryl Morey, okay? He was their general manager. If you ever seen the movie Moneyball and Brad Pitt, how he's like trying to use math and analytics to make his uh, the athletics uh, a better baseball team, Daryl Morey is that for basketball, right? Daryl Morey is the Moneyball man of basketball. He does all the data and analytics and all this stuff. You know who he is if, you, if you're a basketball fan. And so he's the Moneyball guy of basketball. And he basically built the Houston Rockets to be the Moneyball team right these guys are the quants okay of 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 basketball is my point right and they're they're all always thinking about what's the best shot to take what what how many threes should we take versus layups he says we don't take any mid-range shots right because we're trying to maximize efficiency and points per possession and true shooting blah 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 and they and they optimize the roster for all this stuff, right? And so they were the best shoot, three point shooting team in the league. They made the most threes, I believe, even more than the Warriors. They they that's like how they beat teams. They're like, listen, threes are worth more than twos, as dumb as that sounds. And so we're just gonna bomb threes on people, and we're gonna make a bunch of threes, and that's how we're gonna win games. And it worked. They were a really good team, and 
they're the only team that stood a chance against this like stacked Hall of Fame dynasty roster in the Golden State Warriors. And they go to the conference finals and the Rockets are actually winning. Like they actually find themselves in a best of seven series up three games to two. And then in game six, I forget what happened. There was like, it was a close game and then some shit happened and they basically lost, but it was at Golden State. But then they go back home for game seven in Houston. Okay. This is it. This is what they've been waiting for. And at this point, this is the conference final. The winner goes to the final. But on the other side, the the East was super weak this year. And so it was pretty clear that whoever wins the series, they were definitely going to win the championship, right? So basically championship on the line. And in game seven, the Rockets do what the Rockets do. They start taking all the threes, bombing them, bombing them, boom, 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 right? That's what they do. They shoot... 30, 40, 50, 60 threes a game. They don't care, right? They'll take more threes than anybody else. They missed, I think, a record 27 or 29 in a row in that game seven. I forget exactly, but I think it was like 27, 29 threes in a row. 29 missed threes. These are professional basketball players, and they missed like 29 in a row, okay? And they lost. They lost at home. It was actually still a pretty close game. They were close to winning, but they lost because they missed all of their threes. And everyone said, you know, all the all the all the the math guys, right? Cuz this is 2017, so this is this is a few years ago now. It's fucking almost 6 years ago now. And I was like a big Rockets fan cuz I was like moneyball basketball guy, okay? And I loved the Rockets because I loved Daryl Morey and I thought it was sick. And you give the excuse of like, well, it was a statistical anomaly, right? No team had ever missed that many threes in a row. I think it was a record. And you say, well, it was a statistical anomaly. And, you know, they got unlucky, but the probabilities are on their side that they win that game, blah, 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 blah. But they didn't. They lost. And so that's like the cope excuse you use. And at the time, I really believed that. Like, well, the probability, blah, 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 blah. So they lost, but technically, you know, if you look at the expected value of, that's what I thought. I was wrong because what I didn't understand then that I understand now and where we come back to trading is that it doesn't matter how much math and analysis and all that shit, how good your game plan is and how optimized it is if you can't execute and especially if you can't execute when it matters. And in game seven with the championship on the line, with the whole, everything they've been waiting for, everything they've been fighting for, they're about to knock off the dynasty team. They choked, right? They choked. Why? Because hitting a lot of threes in a regular season game when there's not really a lot of stakes, they can do that. But when it really mattered, the thing they didn't take into effect with all the data and analytics is the human element of the game. And the human element of the game is that when you've got all this pressure on you, it is harder to hit those threes. And they missed 29 in a row, okay? And you can say statistical anomaly, and sure it is. But was it really? Is it really a coincidence that the biggest statistic anomaly, statistical anomaly of all time happened to happen in the highest pressure game of these guys' lives? Or did the pressure get to them and the game plan didn't account for the fact that you still have to execute. You can't just have theory 
and math and data. You still have to execute. And that's the point. With trading, you can have all the greatest theory and this plan gives me the positive EV and my data and my I did a I did a I did a regression analysis and if you back test that doesn't matter. Were you pressing the green button on January first? Because if you weren't, you were wrong. Plain and simple, you were wrong. And if a week into the rally, you were fading it and you still weren't getting in, you were wrong. Okay, I don't care what the macro says. I don't care what the non-farm payrolls and the unemployment, whatever, and the CPI and the PPP and the, I, I don't give a fuck. Did you buy or not? Because if you didn't, you need to analyze why you didn't. And you need to understand what you missed. And what you missed is that despite all the macro, doomer, whatever the fuck, you need to look at the big picture. And the big picture was, yo, it's been six months since the Luna crash, since we hit a bottom on ETH, and we haven't breached it, even with an FTX collapse coming after that. Oh, and by the way, it came out that FTX was completely fraudulent. They were taking customer deposits and selling them. So you had this massive entity that was selling tons of coins and faking their order books that they had all these coins that they didn't have. And so they were adding tons of sell pressure onto the market, trying to save themselves. And now all of that is gone. All of that is wiped out. And despite the worst, most anti-crypto sentiment in the history of the world that I've seen in the in the 10 years, 12, whatever years, well, fucking 14 now that crypto has existed. This is the worst sentiment in terms of the national, international view of crypto. Oh, oh my gosh, look at all these scams. Look at all these frauds. I mean, I told you I'm at Thanksgiving, okay, with my grandparents and I sit down and on TV, I see Sam Bankman Freed's face, okay? And I'm like, can I get a break here? Okay, so despite all of that, we didn't lose a thousand on ETH. And I know that the chart said that the level was going to go to 800 or 600 or 400. And I know that the macro data didn't look what it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You were wrong. And the point is that you could have used reason and you could have used gut instead of just using the data and known that it was time to buy. And especially once things picked up, you should have known that it was time to buy. Because I've said this before, and I said this in my clear pill episode, if you if you haven't listened to that one, I'll, I'll put a link to that. Because um, I really gave like kind of this thesis that ended up playing out, you know, that was like a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago. Now. And it's that everybody is irrational by default, and they only have periods of rationality. They have brief periods of rationality while mostly being irrational. We are emotional, irrational beings. And so am I. This this rally has been tough to trade because it's been so aggressive when it's moving. And in the beginning, I was right in terms of like, okay, I think we're picking up now, but I wasn't sizing enough. So like, even though we were moving, I wasn't making that much in the first week because I was kind of scared. I was still timid, right? It wasn't until like week two and 
three of this rally that I started putting in more size and being more aggressive because I realized, oh, okay, we can really do this now. And now as I'm recording this, I'm recording this on Tuesday, the markets kind of over the last few days cooled off a bit. Obviously, you know, it's normal. We just had a three-week insane rally. Um, and so some of the patterns of like coins aren't breaking out as easily, all this stuff, and you kind of notice this, and I say, okay, I'm going to take the the foot off the gas pedal a little bit here. I'm going to play some some bets here and there, but I'm not going to go so aggressive uh, trying to like trade a breakout on some of these coins, right? It's you have to really feel the market. But the only way you feel the market is when you're really in it, you know, and when you're really th like thinking big picture. And so you have to remember that people are irrational, always doesn't matter even your favorite best trader that you follow they are irrational and go back this is a very useful exercise i think for everybody here go back like three four weeks and see who was saying that we should buy in december see who once this rally started right a weekend let's say like go to like january 8th 9th 10th how many people were saying this is a fake rally this is a bull trap fade this i'm going short blah 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 and who was going long and who said, no, you guys don't get it. You guys don't understand what's happening here. Because when you look at that, then it maybe gives you a better idea of who to listen to in the future. But it's tough. It's it's tough, man. I mean, and, and again, if you were sidelined, don't get down on yourself. My message for you is like, don't, don't let this discourage you and let you think you missed it. Let this motivate you to be like, I'm not missing this shit again. And by the way, we're going to keep going. Now, majors may pull back a little bit, but I think we're going to have an on-chain season, and I'll get into coins in a second. But part of it, too, is like you don't have to always call bottoms or tops or anything like that. In fact, you won't. And in my, I wasn't calling bottom necessarily with ETH. I was more saying I don't want to miss the bottom, right? I was saying, listen, I don't know what the bottom is going to be, but... I'm going to start buying below 1200 on ETH because I don't understand what more is going to push us below that at this point, right? And then I started buying some alts too. You know, I bought Solana single digits. We started talking about Lido. Lido, I coped a little. I'll be honest with Lido. I didn't, uh, I wasn't ready for the Lido move. When it when it ripped from like 90 cents to like $1.30, I wasn't in and I was coping. I didn't get in until about $1.30 and then I've been trading it in and out. Um, but I kind of faded the first move. So I heard a little about that one, despite, you know, I talked about Lido on the podcast like last month. I was saying this is one of the coins I like. Um, so that's an example where, and I had a, and I didn't stick my plan either on that one. I said, if Lido goes below a dollar again, I'm going to load up and I didn't do it. I was just kind of like, eh, I don't know, you know. So even, even when you hit, even when you're really right, you can still be wrong on a lot of things. So you'll never be perfect. So don't beat yourself up. I've, 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 you know, had plenty of bad trades the last few weeks too, that I'm like, ah, that was stupid. Why'd I do that? Why'd I chase this? Or why'd I, you know, I'll get in something and then it kind of turns around. I mean like, ah, you know what? I'm going to cut it. And then it goes back, you know, classic shit, you know how it goes. Um, so it's by no means perfect. It's just about like, were you mostly correct? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, if you're mostly correct in this market, you're going to make a lot of money. And that's the point. And so I think the key takeaway from the last few weeks is just that don't fade moves just because you missed it in the beginning. Don't try to pray for a pullback because in crypto, if there's anything you've learned, man, where you really are dying for a pullback is when you're not going to get one. When you're going to get the pullback is when you've already FOMO bought in, 
right? That's kind of the point. And I think we're a little bit there now. Um, I think we probably are going to get a little bit of a pullback. I don't know. We, I mean, we could get going. I, I, I was much more confident when we were going from like uh, ETH like 11, 1200 up to like 15, 16. Now I'm a little more iffy. And same with Bitcoin. Like I was pretty confident once we started moving that we would get to like 21, 22. We got 23. Um, I still think we're going to get 24, 25, but we may pull back from that before that. So now it's a little more iffy, right? Obviously, we had a huge move, so it's a little more dangerous. But um, I think on-chain season is going to have a renaissance here. I think that the the real lesson uh, to wrap this up before I can get into coins is that ride the momentum. Don't fight the tide, right? Go with the tide. And when there's a lot of noise and people are really scared, just turn it off and think for yourself. Just really think very simply. Say, what makes sense here? You know, what, what, when I think logically, if forget all the noise, all the data, anything, just forget all that. Just what makes sense here, right? And your gut is probably going to be right, especially if you're in this market a lot. You know, when you're in the market and you're in it day in, day out. You start getting a good gut feel, and it takes time to develop it. But once you start developing that gut feel, you just kind of feel the market. I don't need to go and like, you know, I, like when I chart these days, I used to do all this crazy charting and try to be TA master. And it's like, eh, no, I don't really do that anymore. You know, you just kind of feel the chart. And I know that sounds very woo woo, but it's kind of the truth. And you know, a lot of it is just pattern recognition, right? You kind of just see the way it charts moving. And you're like, okay, I see what they're doing here. I think we're going to go up now, or I think we're done, or I think whatever, right? And you just get a feel for things. And then you also just get a feel for how the market's moving overall. And I don't know, when you just get that gut feeling, you got to ride it. You got to stick with your gut because sticking with your gut is really, it's, it's, it's the best type of edge that there is in trading. All the math and, and data in the world is not going to give you a gut feel on the market. And that's the real edge. That's the thing that just takes time to develop. And, you know, I kind of feel like I'm really developing that now personally after like a few years of frankly getting my ass kicked. You know, like you have big wins, but you have fucking big losses and it's tough and you got to stomach it. And a lot of people quit before they really get the the ability. But it feels good, you know, feels good. So anyways, about that. Think rationally. I think you get the point. But that's listen to my Clearpool episode because I kind of laid out um, more the idea there. Uh, I did a full episode on it. But let's talk some coins. So the main coins, I got a list here. Hold on. Let me pull my list. Okay. So I'm going to start with some of the bigger ones um, and things you should be watching, even if you're not necessarily trading, just to see how the overall market is going. And the types of coins to look for, even if it's not just necessarily a specific ticker, even though I will give you, you know, actual coins. And a little bit of where I think the market is headed next. So the first one, let's talk Lido, because obviously Lido honestly was one of the big alts that spurred this rally. It had like two weeks where it just ripped face. It went up like 150% or something in like two weeks. Lido was the first of multiple examples of these coins that start moving really fast 
And then people are like completely sidelined trying to get into them because they're not really giving them a chance to get in. Lido was the first, and then we saw Optimism and Aptos do basically the same thing. And there's a kind of commonality with these two in that they have low float, meaning that they're fully diluted values and market caps might be high, but there's not actually a lot of circulating tokens, but they have enough liquidity where bigger players can trade it, right? But you don't want, so like, I was thinking about this too. I may, I may, this would be a different episode because I'll need to figure it out. But I was trying to come with like a little bit of a formula, maybe not a, a, a real formula, but like a, a mental framework type of formula, which is identifying coins that have the perfect like sweet spot Goldilocks zone of you want it to be low float, but not like too low float where it's impossible to trade. You want it to be liquid so that big players can put money into it, but not too liquid where it can absorb a ton of buy volume without sending the price up. Um, and then, you know, kind of big enough in terms of market cap to where it's going to get a lot of attention. Right. And so Lido is a good example of something that fit that. And then, like I said, Optimism and Aptos are the other two that really left a lot of people on the sidelines coping because uh, they just missed it. And they just kept going and going and going and not giving people a chance to get in. And I think the next one, I'll just say it up front. You've probably seen it on Twitter. If you follow me, uh, Hook. Hook is a token on Binance Smart Chain that's also on Binance's uh, uh, exchange. It's only on Binance Exchange. So if you don't have that, which I don't, being an American, uh, you got to trade it on Binance Smart Chain. Um, but this is like a launchpad token from Binance. Some people are calling it the next GMT, if you remember that from last year. Uh, it had this crazy run. It's a Binance launchpad token. But it's, it, the thing I like about it is it fits this formula, right? It fits that it's low float. So the total supply, I think, is 500 million. But the actual unlock tokens is only like 50 or 60 million or something like that. And of those, a good, I think, half are locked. So I think there's only like 25 or 30 million out of 500 million, like, float in terms of unlocked circulating supply. That is like, wow, beautiful. On top of that, it's a Binance token. And if there's anything Binance is good at is, is, is pumping their launchpad tokens, okay? And so the theory there with that is it's going to probably pull another Optimism Aptos type move. And... At the time I'm recording this, we just had a pullback from like 330 down to like 270. I bought some more uh, on this pullback. And uh, hopefully, you know, like I said, if you follow me on Twitter, you should be getting into this. But this is a type of token that people are going to fade it because it's like, oh, a lot of people are starting to talk about this. But it's, it already went up, you know, you know, it already doubled from $1.50 to, to three bucks. I'm, I'm not going to get into it. Like my first entry was like 220, but then I've been buying on the way up. And so people are going to say, oh, I'm not going to buy this. And then it's going to be $6. And then they're going to say, okay, well, I should have bought it, but now I'm really not going to buy it. And then it's going to be $10. And they say, well, no, I really can't buy it. Don't do that to yourself. Don't let yourself fall for the same tricks again. You just saw Lido, Optimism, Aptos do the same thing. Ride those winners. Ride those flyers. In a market that's based on momentum, ride the wave. And I think Hook is going to be the next one. So uh, that that's one of them. But those are like the general, 
things that you want to see. You want to see things that don't have a lot of float, that have enough liquidity to let big players get in, but not so much that it can absorb a ton of volume without moving the price. Um, and then ideally on top of that, you want to see a lot of people shorting it, which is what happened a lot with, uh, you know, Opto, Aptos in the beginning, where I just had these crazy short squeezes. If you get that and Lido too, actually, then you really have like the perfect setup for just a massive run. So those are the types of coins you want to be looking at. Um, let's move on to a couple gems. Uh, Rollbit. Okay. This is one that went nuts. I'm actually a little upset because I started accumulating very small bags in this, but it didn't have a ton of liquidity. It has more now. Someone dumped a ton of liquidity into it um, recently. I don't know if that was the team or somebody else. Somebody did. Um, so Rollbit, if you don't know, is a gambling uh, site that is growing really fast, and they're starting to partner with influencers and all this type of stuff to advertise and they are making real money. Uh, last time I checked, but this is probably outdated. Their revenue was going to be like on pace for like $20 million a year. Um, but I think that's outdated because they've grown since then. So I don't know. It could be like double that by now. I don't know. But essentially, the, the idea of this token is that it is a deflationary token. So they had a max supply and the supply is only going down over time because it gets burned over time more and more and more. And I think so far about... 30 or 40 percent of the uh the supply has been burned um it ripped from like when i found it when i first got in it was like a 12 15 million market cap and then it ripped to like 40 or 50 million and now it's had a nice pullback and i bought some more here on this pullback listen i think this thing is going to go to 150 maybe 200 million market cap i don't see why it wouldn't they have real revenue and they use that revenue to pay the stakers and burn the coin i mean it just doesn't get better than that and it's like a very fast growing gambling site i've really wanted to get on the gambling narrative that was another one if you listen to my ai narrative video in the in the, in the last one identifying narratives gambling is one of the other narratives that i really like because you see stuff like stake.com absolutely exploding and crypto is like the perfect venue to get people into gambling sites uh, for obvious reasons, but there's not a lot of gambling tokens, right? Stake doesn't have a token, and some of these other ones they don't really have tokens. There are other ones coming soon, um, but as far as the ones that exist, Rollbit is like the best in my opinion. And so RLB is the ticker on that. The key with this one, the reason why so many people faded it, is because it's only available on Solana. It's not even on any exchanges yet. That's why I think this thing is so damn early. Okay, and even though it just ripped, uh, you know, three four x in like a week. I, I bought more. Listen, I bought more on the pullback because I think this thing's going to rip. It's not even on any exchanges yet. I think once it gets listed on exchanges, it's going to have like a god candle. Um, so that's why I really like it. It's one of my more high conviction bets right now, and, I'm, and I don't want to buy more of it. But, uh, you know, I got a lot, I'm in a lot of things right now, so it's hard to uh, uh, partition everything. But that's that's a good one. I really like Robit. Um, and then in general, other Solana tokens, um, I don't have a ton that I like in the moment, but I think that Solana may have a little renaissance. I think there may be a little Solana eco movement because the community there is really strong and hasn't gone anywhere. And, you know, you have Alameda out now, so you're not going to have all this predatory shit that was going on in the Solana ecosystem before. And we never really got to see a real... Uh, 
Solana renaissance in terms of their their on-chain stuff. You know, you saw the token itself in 2021 rip and you saw their NFTs, but you didn't see any Solana DeFi or anything like that do well. I think we may finally see that at some point this year. So it's something I would keep in mind. I don't necessarily have a ton of tokens I like. Prism is one. Um, it's like, a, it's kind of like a perp dex. I'm sorry, sorry, not a perp dex, but a, 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 a sophisticated dex, I guess you could call it. That's an interesting one, um, but that but I don't have a ton that I like yet. Uh, there's there's some that may have tokens coming out, uh, but I would just pay attention. Don't fade the Solana ecosystem because there's a lot of money to be made in Solana, um, and it's easy to forget that that whole area exists if you're like a you know an EVM person. Then next up, I still got Premium and Aura. Those are like you know my 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 darlings that I've been holding. They finally got a big move on both of them. Uh, I think they're gonna start picking up here soon. Um, Premia has their V3 finally releasing. I think it's the best options platform out there in crypto. They do more volume than Dopex. They're one sixth of the market cap. I've given you the, the speech on it before. Aura, the balancer wars are heating up. The uh, LSD, the liquid staking derivative narrative is heating up. Well, Frax has completely dominated the curve liquidity for that. Everyone else is fighting on balancer right now. You have Lido, Rocket Pool, uh, who else? Stater, I think. Everybody basically is like getting ready to bribe uh, balancer, which means that they're going to buy a lot of Aura to try to do that. So anyways, or I'm sorry. I miss I misspoke. They want to get liquidity on balancer. They're going to bribe Aura for that liquidity. And so I think the bribes will start going up soon. And you see that in the price action because the prices has moved decently off the lows. Um, so those are like my long term holds. I continue to uh, slowly buy them over time. Next up, gear. Gear box protocol is really interesting. You've probably heard of this recently. It's been on my list for about a month and I finally started accumulating some of this I think this could be like people are calling it like the next the the Wi-Fi of of this year, like the next urine, right? Um, like one of those plays that a lot of people kind of faded in the beginning and then it goes for a ripper. Gearbox protocol is essentially like leveraged farming. So it's a credit market where, for example, say you want to um, LP in some farm and it's giving you like 10% yield and you say well 10% is cool but like I would like more than that well they will extend you credit to essentially lever up and and put your money in that farm uh, so for example if you have whatever 10 grand well they'll give you 20 grand on top of your 10 so you have 30 grand to farm in this pool so really with your 10 grand you're basically making three times the yield so now you're making 30 percent yield instead of just 10 percent on that farm does that make sense you can go on their site and and uh look it up but this is like very common in uh tradfi right so like a common thing that people will do in TradFi is they'll find like a bond that's very low risk, maybe even like treasury bonds, right? Or like some corporate bond, like an Apple bond or something. And say this bond pays them like two or three percent, but it's like very safe, right? Well, they'll they'll buy a bunch, they'll t borrow a bunch of money based on like you know their low collateral. They'll they'll take you know a million dollars and lever that up to 10 million and then buy all these bonds and earn three percent on that 10 million but three percent on 10 million is obviously 30 percent on 1 million right and so that's how they're able to take a very safe bond and then lever it to the tits and get like 30 percent yield on it there's risks involved with that obviously and you know gearbox has their own liquidation mechanisms and all that stuff 
Well, that's the idea. And so they're basically taking an instrument that exists in TradFi and bringing it to crypto. So that's why it's it's very cool. Um, and I think the token is undervalued right now. It's like a 15 mil market cap. Um, that's around where I started buying it. I think it's gone up a bit since then. But still, I think this one could be a runner. It's uh, it's another low float coin. They have a higher FDV, but most of that is locked for the next six to 12 months. So it'd be interesting to see if that can get a pump. I know that there are big players in it who would like to pump it. Uh, I won't say any names, but I know a few of them. Um, they're the type of people that you probably want attempting to pump your coin. Let's just put it that way. You can do your own research on that. Um, so that's an, another good play. Um, very recently, this was like as of yesterday, uh, Ribbon Finance may finally be launching AVO, their options platform. So I mentioned Premia before. Premia is like my darling in terms of options platform. Ribbon's AVO is the only other one that I see really as a contender right now. I like Hedgic too. But Hedgic is my my third place. So Ribbon is finally launching AVO, uh, which is basically like the they're trying to make the DUIDX of options, right? That's kind of the pitch on that. Whether or not AVO will be like this great successful platform or not, I don't know. But as a catalyst trade, I think it's good. Ribbon it was at its range lows. This the rumors of this announcement started coming. There were big buys from whales on Ribbon, and the price started going up. I hopped in, so I'm in that. Oh, by the way, I should—I forgot to give the disclaimer. Anything I talk about, just assume I either own it or I'm thinking about owning it. I'm completely biased. I am shilling you my bags. This is not financial advice. Do your own research. Okay. So anyways, uh, Ribbon is another one. I think Ribbon easily, you know, it's at like 25, 26 cents right now. I think it can very easily at least get to its little range high that it's in here, like 40 cents, um, and probably break it because this is like the catalyst that Ribbon people have been waiting for for like, I don't even know, like six months or something. Um, so I think this is could be the thing that makes it finally like break out of this range and 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 go into uh, not price discovery. It's down a lot, but but go back go back upwards to better price levels than where it is now. Um, so that's that's ribbon, and then we've also got um, another one, Synapse. So Synapse. I gotta be honest, it's kind of a tough coin to hold because it doesn't move how you want it to. And there's a lot of people who love to just dump this thing and all of that. But they're launching their own chain um, and exchange and they're gonna do airdrops to Synapse holders. This is kind of the, the word on the street. And, you know, Synapse is down a lot. Synapse is is pretty cheap, frankly, for, for what they potentially could be relative to other uh you know, GMXs and, and DYDXs and all that stuff. Um, and so I could pretty easily see Synapse, you know, it's at like 80 cents right now or something. I could easily see it going to like $2 plus realistically over the next few months. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'm not in that one right now. I was in, I got out full transparency. I'm not sure if I'll buy back in, but keep it on your watch list. Uh, a couple others. Trader Joe is an interesting one. Trader Joe flipped sushi in market cap, but it's still, I'm sorry, in in volume, but it's still only one third the market cap of sushi. And they're moving to Arbitrum now, uh, or expanding, I should say. So they'll not just be an AVAX only uh, platform. They will be on Arbitrum as well. So I think that they definitely could take some market share there. Uh, they have a lot of interesting developments. It's a project that I think a lot of people forgot about, and I would keep your eye on. I'm not in that one right now, but it's something I'm, I'm, I'm watching. Um, and then on top of all that, we've got NFTs. So we got a lot of small stuff that I'm not really going to shill um, that I 
I'm in and out of. So by the time you watch this, maybe done. Um, so I don't want to really give any specifically. I would say the only ones I'll just tell you, like Ponzi NFTs, it's literally called Ponzi. I'm sure you've seen it if you follow on Twitter. Um, those ones are interesting. They're kind of doing a little bit of like a game theory thing. Could be the uh, the next loot of, of 2023 or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I got in those very cheap though. So I'll be honest with you. Um, I will dump on you. No, I'm just kidding. Don't don't listen to me on these because these are like ones that I'm in and out. Um, the only one that I really like, I've said I've shielded a lot on Twitter, but it's because I actually genuinely believe it, and I've been shilling it since it was 0.4 ETH, and now it's like 1.8 or something, which is the Korea Terra Land, which is this uh, Chinese metaverse project. They raised 10 million dollars from A16Z, and if you do the math on what the current market cap is, it's like not it's less than 10 million basically um and if there's anything that i think that a16z is good at it's temporarily pumping tokens so that they can or nfts in this case so that they can get a return on their investment um so i i have high hopes for those i think that they could be the the digis of q1 in the sense that the digis in in q4 in q3 q4 were went from like they were kind of trading in like one two they even went below uh, one ETH temporarily and then ripped to like 20 ETH and everybody was on the sidelines coping. I think this could be that one. So, but more importantly, I would just say with NFTs, ride the volume waves and like just keep your ear to the ground and uh, try to get try to get on, on things right when you see them picking up because when you have volume and NFTs, they can move really, really fast. It's similar to like a low float token, except, you know, with a picture attached to it. Just don't get caught holding the bag on these things. Uh, but I do think if on-chain season is heating up, the NFTs will definitely have a moment here in the next month or two. So I wouldn't fade NFTs even if you're a coin guy. And I'm mostly a coin guy. But listen, there's really fast, easy money to be made on NFTs sometimes. So overall, I would just say if you're not in the game right now, if you're on the sidelines, get in the game. Because this is the time that things are heating up. We are unironically back for now. Uh, there's other macro forces at play that I think will be positive too. I don't want to get into that because I'm not a macro expert, but um, inflation seems like it's slowing um, faster than people thought. A Fed pivot may be coming sooner than people thought. There may be other forces that are coming into play. You know, the Bank of Japan deciding to just ride with their current policy is very interesting when people thought that they weren't going to do it. So, we may see new liquidity injected into the market soon. And obviously you have, you know, stocks, you know, look at the S&P and NASDAQ, they've been performing well and people have been fading it. But, you know, when I see a chart where there's higher lows, that's kind of all you need to see. You know, obviously we, 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 we play it as it goes. Things could turn around tomorrow and I'm out. But like I said, ride the wave and just be on it. But be in the game. That's like the most important thing I can not stress enough. Be in the game because it's so easy to sit on the sidelines, especially when you already missed the first move. But if there's anything you've learned from crypto, you should know that this shit comes in waves and the waves tend to get bigger and bigger and bigger until they pop. Now, not saying that the bull market is back, but I'm saying we are going to be, I think, in a bit of a sustained rally here um, and we'll at least have more activity overall. So get in the game. I think that's it for me today, guys. Uh, glad to be back. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Again, follow me on Twitter because I can post faster updates. It's hard for me to uh, put out videos all the time, especially when all this stuff happens so quickly. Like I said, if you like that email newsletter idea, let me know. Uh, I'll maybe make a tweet about it too. Um, 
I could do that because I could just put out tickers and it's not going to be a lot of information. It's just be a one or two sentence with a ticker. Um, but it's easy and fast and then you can go look at it too. So, but definitely follow me on Twitter for that. And uh, that's about it for today. Make sure if you're on audio, please subscribe to the YouTube. Help me, help a brother out. Uh, even if you don't watch the video, just subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're growing very quickly on YouTube. Um, less so now. We were growing really fast in December. It slowed a bit because obviously I haven't been making videos in, in January. I only made one so far. Um, but we'll we'll get back to it. We'll get back to it. It's just, you know, gotta sometimes you gotta be in the trenches, you know, when the time is right. You gotta you gotta strike while the iron's hot. So anyways, good to be back. Get in the game. That's the lesson. Happy mood, guys.